I'm Greg Taylor, and this is 101 Stage Adaptations. Welcome to 101 Stage Adaptations. I'm your host, Melissa Schmitz. I'm a theater artist and arts administrator, and I wrote my first stage adaptation when I was 22. Now I'm interviewing playwrights about their own adaptations, their creative process, and how they make it all work. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I am really excited to talk to somebody who has written both a movie and a stage adaptation of his movie, uh, which happens to be one of my favorite holiday films from childhood. I'm so excited. I can't wait for you to meet him. Uh, Before we do that, I want to remind you to please rate and review this show if you're enjoying it. It really does help uh, get the word out to other people who may want to listen to all of the adaptations that we talk about. Okay, so today we are meeting with Greg Taylor. Greg Taylor was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He is a screenwriter, author, and playwright. His screenwriting credits include Prancer, Jumanji, and Harriet the Spy. Greg is married with two children, Jessica and Ian, and two grandchildren. From the time he and his wife Joanne had their first child, Greg has concentrated on writing stories for families, children, and young adults. For his adaptation of the stage version of Prancer, which premiered at the Rose Children's Theater in Omaha, Nebraska in 2016, Greg received the Omaha Theater Arts Guild Award for Outstanding New Script. Since Prancer's premiere and initial run, the play has been performed at community theaters across the U.S. Please welcome to the show, Greg Taylor. Hello, Greg. Hello, Melissa. (laughs) Oh, I'm so excited to talk to you today. Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Um, so you're, like, I'm trying to think of like how many times I've watched Prancer, um, you know, probably at least like five dozen times. <laughs> like, Are you sh- yeah. You're serious. You've it's watched just... the movie five dozen times. Wow. At least, That's... at least it was yeah. a staple yeah. in, in our household for sure. Well, I wouldn't have had a, I don't think I would have had a screenwriting career if it hadn't been for Prancer. So we can get into that Mm. later, how how all that came about, Mm. but it was my first produced film and that changed everything for me as a, as a screenwriter. Um, So it's wonderful to hear that you liked it. Oh, I loved it so much. Um, usually on the show, we start with a particular theater question. Uh, but since it's the holiday sure. season, Greg, I will start with what is your first Christmas memory? Um, you know, I don't have any like specific memory, like getting that special gift, you know, like Ralphie and his rifle. Um, so <laughs> right. I, I, it's more it's more like uh a general feeling of what it was like when I was growing up. Cause you know, I grew up in Pittsburgh, the winters could be cold and just dreary. And so that memory of being inside in a warm house, colorful Christmas lights on the tree, that contrast with the grayness outside. Um, so we didn't get a lot of snow in Pittsburgh. And when we did it, it turned pretty slushy. So, yeah, I would say it's more a general feeling of that. Uh, Until I did get Mm. one Christmas drums. That was a big, that was, uh, I was much older then or not much. But, yeah, when I got those gold sparkle Slingerland drums, that was a life changer. Oh, I love that. 
Because you were a musician. <laughs> were You got that because you were a musician or you became a musician from getting the drums? Well, no, I had, I had tried out. Uh, yeah. I, I started to play the drums early, like in grade school, you know, they, they, uh, for the band, you know, school band. And, uh, I kept with it. And, and then, uh, and then, you know, the Beatles happened that changed everything. And I was in a, yeah. and so I was getting together a band with my neighborhood pals and I needed drums, a whole set to play that. So yeah, that was great having the having that mm. uh, having that gift. Oh, that's so lovely. Um, and and then when did you decide to take up a, a career in writing? How did that happen? Um, I I went to well for, first it was uh, I fell in love with the movies. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. when I was, when I was young, our you know, we went to the drive-in theater every summer. And, uh, and so that's when I, 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 I just loved the movies. It, it, and so when I went to Penn state, I majored in film and television and <clears throat> excuse me after, you know, over the course of the four years, I, you know, I had to take classes in directing and I, you know, did cinematography and editing and writing classes. And I decided at the end of those four years, I wasn't that great at the other stuff, you know, like directing. Uh, and, and, and so when I got out of college, I knew that's what I wanted to do is become a writer. Now, my path to that took about 10 years, uh, a long time. Mm. Um and, and, you know, teach, trying to teach myself how to write, because it wasn't that extensive, uh, the writing classes at, at Penn State at the time. And okay. my problem was I just could not finish what I started. And I think that might be a common problem for writers. I would get sure. into it and I wouldn't know where to go. And so it took me a while to, uh, to get over that hump. And, you know, the other thing was, uh, you know, I married, you know, Joe and I married uh, and we love State College. It's a great, great town. And I didn't want to move out to Los Angeles. I mean, it just seemed like an impossible, an impossible uh, thing to do. I was scared, to be honest. But, uh, but mm-hmm. I, you know, we finally did that. And the first five years I was out here, I was a set costumer on on. TV mm. shows and uh, and movies, The Love Boat. If you remember The Love Boat, people, <laughs> I was, I, I'm familiar was with The Love series. Boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a set costumer on that, and you know, trying to you know writing on the side, still trying to finish what I what I wrote, and uh, and then yeah, I finally finished the script, got an agent, and uh, that got me going on on the, on this on screenwriting. You know, very cool. Um, let's talk about the Prancer screenplay. Uh, how, how did this happen? Was this your idea for, for a a screenplay or yeah. Tell me, tell me how, how it happened and what the inspiration was. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was, I was struggling in my early years as, as a screenwriter, you know, trying to get jobs. And I specifically remember one day I sat down at the desk and I, I gave myself a task. I was going to come up with five new ideas for scripts. And 
I don't know where it came from. One of those ideas was uh, a little girl finds a wounded deer in the woods and she thinks it's one of Santa's. And mm-hmm. I, I have no idea where the inspiration came, but that was one, the one of the five ideas that stuck. And so, uh, and so it was as mundane as that, really. Nothing, it wasn't a lightning bolt like, oh God, this is, you know. Uh, uh, but I will say I had... Uh, by then, Joanne, and I had our first child, Jessica, and uh, and that might have had something to do with it too. You know, having a right, a right, young, you know, <laughs> from that. So yeah, Jessica was also an inspiration, which is why I named the main character Jessica after my daughter. Absolutely. Um, and so then did you shop the screenplay around or how did you, how did you get it in front of a producer or somebody who's going to be able to get it made? Well, I had an agent, uh, at that point and she sent it, you know, she sent it to the studios and, uh, DEG, the De Laurentiis Entertainment Group auctioned, uh, the script. And, uh, it wasn't long after they optioned it. Uh, Rafaela uh, De Laurentiis, uh, Dino's uh, daughter, was the president of DEG, but she left. Uh, she left shortly after Prince was optioned. She wanted to start her own company, uh, Rafaela Productions, and she asked her father that well, she could take two scripts with her, and one was Prancer. Um, and I was really lucky that happened because I think if, if, if France, if she had left, she loved the script, uh, I think it would have languished and never got made. But, you know, it turned out to be Raffaella Productions, pretty sure about this, first film. Uh, mm. And, you know, I mean, I've done quite a few uh, scripts since then. And for a film, it was really short period of time uh, from mm. from when I wrote the script to when it was made. I mean, Jumanji, for example, took at least five years from when I did my work to when it was out. Harriet the Spy, that had been in, in you know, development for 10 plus years. That took a long time. But yeah, Prancer got made very quickly. So I, I was fortunate, you know, uh, yeah. in, in that. I mean, I will say that it's, of all the scripts I've ever written, that one, I don't know, it really connected, really connected with people from Raffaella to, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, to the various people who read it. And, uh, and we got a great cast, of course, you know, and, uh, yes. And so, yeah, that, that was one of those, um, charmed, charmed productions, really. I agree. Uh, we want to highlight some of the some of the cast members of this movie, uh, which is from 1989, I believe. Right? That's that's when yes. the mm-hmm. the film was yeah. made. Um, Sam Elliott plays the dad, the the widowed father, um, struggling with the two to raise these two kids, and and then Cloris Leachman. I looked this up. Twenty two time nominated Emmy nominated Cloris Leachman. <laughs> Was the uh, was, was the neighbor that Jessica befriends? Yeah, I was in awe of her. I mean, she to this day, the last picture show is one of my 
all-time favorite movie. She's brilliant in that, won the Academy Award for it. And so, mm-hmm. yes, uh, getting Cloris Leachman and Sam Elliott as well, you know. Um, and, uh, but the girl, you know, Rebecca Harrell, I wasn't involved in the casting, uh, but I think, you know, I do know that they, uh, they looked at a, auditioned a lot of, uh, young actresses for that. And, uh, right. and she, Rebecca was, uh, back East, you know, she never acted before. So that was a long process to find her. But yeah, everyone, you know, Ava Vigoda was great as uh, as the veterinarian, and uh, uh, you know, yeah, it was it was a wonderful cast. I love that. Um, were you on set for any of the filming? I was. I was. Was the the only feature film where I was, and you know, the thing about Raphael, I was so fortunate meeting her. Uh, so early in my relatively early in my career um because she was uh my agent said you know i guess this is a standard thing well greg wants to be co-producer and she gave it to me you know but she made me work for it and so uh i was involved in pre-production uh and i was on set for at least a month so yes i was up there and you know (laughs) Uh, before filming, there was some rehearsals and I went to, I can't remember if I went to all of them, but I, I distinctly remember going to a rehearsal with Cloris Leishman. And afterwards, I, I guess I introduced myself. I don't know. And she was like, who is this character? I mean, what's her background? What, what, what happened to her? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, she nailed me the spot and I, I was like, I was frozen because and it was a really good lesson for me because as I wrote her, it was like, well, she's a lonely old woman and she's cranky. And, and I haven't, I didn't <laughs> come up with really what, what the problem was. I, I, I think I might've said something like, well, she lost a child young and well, how, well, how did that happen? What happened? And so <laughs> from that moment on, I knew what, <laughs> I made sure I, I knew what the backstory was. And, and Cloris is the one who brought, details to that performance i mean she's such a great actress you know but yeah it was a lesson learned believe me other than that you know Raffaella had me on uh second unit with with the cinematographer for a while helping him out whatever needed to be done and uh and yeah so overall it was uh it was a getting to meet the actors be on set uh it was it was it was terrific, and you know, leading up to it, I think I, I think somebody on the production uh, located a few spots where there were reindeer because obviously we had to get the reindeer, and Rafaela mm-hmm. said, "Take a video camera and go there." So I flew to upstate New York, fi- filmed a reindeer at a Santa's village up there. I went down to Atlanta because there were reindeer at the, uh, at the uh, zoo for the, for Christmas. Um, it happened to be Christmas, you know, uh, uh, 1988. Um, yeah. And, and then I went, uh, went to Alabama, Huntsville, Alabama. There was, uh, uh, you know, animal trainers uh, had their headquarters there. 
And that's where we found Prancer was, was a deer at, uh, a reindeer at, at Huntsville. Um, and very, uh, you know, really pretty unusual looking reindeer, actually. I really love the way Prancer looks mm. in the film because not the real huge antlers. Like, uh, I, I think maybe she was a hybrid because the antlers look more like, you know, re- you know, like a regular deer's antlers, you know? Um, okay. And, uh, and yeah. And then, uh, she said they wanted to do an animatronic deer for close-ups. Mm. And so I had to locate, <laughs> flew up to Canada. I found a, at a taxidermy shop up there. Uh, I, I bought this, this reindeer head. It looked remarkably like the actual reindeer. So yeah, those were a couple of the tasks I had leading up to production. It was a full immersion into movie world, which was great. They really put you to work on that. <laughs> Just writing did, all, did. I, all the got, things. Yeah. No, no. I've gotten co-producer credit on some of the other films I've done, but I didn't have to do anything for it. And it's like, what's what's the point? You know, <laughs> I don't I don't really need to be known as a co-producer if I'm not going to do anything. But yeah, she spoiled me on that on that first one because she, uh, you know. But it's interesting, and we'll, we'll, we might get into this. As we go further along the the difference between being a screenwriter and being a playwright which I didn't learn until For many sure. years later when I did the Prancer adaptation that, you know, I never really got used to how I was treated in a good way on the doing the play Prancer because the playwright mm-hmm. is so respected. I mean, you're right there with the director. And as mm-hmm. a screenwriter, that's far from the case. I mean, even though... Right. Raffaella treated me really well. Overall, writers are not, you know, they're considered lower rung, I guess. And and just right. as an aside here, but when we were, uh, I know we have only have, have a certain amount of time here. So, you know what? Forget about that story. Let's move on. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Your choice. Um, yeah, yeah. No, no. It, well, just as an illustration, you know, somebody got the idea that they would do a Christmas tree ornament uh and give it to all the all the cast members everyone that worked on the film right and so there's a picture Mm -hmm. of the reindeer on there and it says prancer and they had everybody's signatures on there the actors and the director and Raphael and some of the crew members and nobody thought to put my signature on the (laughs) the the writer of it you know so when i gave out ornaments Uh for for uh, christmas i just wrote it on there like in a in a silver pen but you know that's that's just uh, in a microcosm that's that's how some people think about screenwriters Yeah. yeah oh my gosh well, that's that's too bad, but I'm I'm glad you fixed it with your silver pen. <laughs> oh my yeah, gosh! Yeah. It, well, you know it, the thing is, it's it's sort of a devil's bargain. Screenwriters have when they anyone who gets a contract, um, you sign a piece of paper that says that the company is the author; they get yep. the copyright. You know, yeah, and so you know they can do whatever they want. Editing exchange screenwriters make a lot more money than I'm sure the average playwright or author does, you know? Uh, right. But, uh, 
but yeah, so. Oh yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's why a lot of playwrights get into TV and film writing for like series writing um, because the money, the money is better. But the exchange for that is that you are not the then the author of of your work, whereas with playwriting, uh, you you own the copyright. So where was the most of the principal shooting for for Prancer? It was in let's see, uh, Northern Indiana, Laporte, Indiana, and Michigan, Three Oaks, Michigan. Okay. Pretty sure that's the name of the town. Yeah, yeah. Terrific locations, actually. And we got a lot of snow, which was wonderful. Yeah, was, that, that helps cold. when you're making a it Christmas was, movie. Yeah, no, you just feel that. And but it was it was incredibly cold as well, you know. And um, yeah. It was so cold that after the first night shoot that they built on a on a in a warehouse they built uh, the forest uh road uh and and the, wow the uh christmas tree lot where all that happens jessica trying to free prancer all that was built because they thought there's no way we could be doing this on night shoots outside and it, they so that was that was in a sound stage oh my gosh yeah yeah i'm gonna have to yeah. rewatch that because I'm pretty sure you can't tell. That's amazing. Um, how many reindeer were were used for the main deer? Just the one. Yeah, there was no. Really? There was not a double. They didn't have. They didn't there have. Was not a double. No doubles or understudies. No. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, no, they had. They had other reindeer with her because they're herd animal. They she would have been pretty upset, you know, and. Right. Uh, and there's this one, you know, the one is a great moment where, you know, when Prancer kicks out of the, the cage and she runs out into the street to get that. Sh- and then she pauses a moment, then comes back, supposedly to protect Jessica. They got that mm-hmm. by just having the reindeer off camera so that Boo was her, was her name. She went out into the street and, and looked around and then went back to the herd. And so, yeah, yeah. But Boo was, Boo was great. She was just, she performed really well. That's sweet. Were, were these trained reindeer or just somebody had a reindeer farm? No, no. They These were animal trainers. They had all kinds okay. of animals in Huntsville. Yeah. So they were animal trainers. And then, yeah. You know, there's not a whole lot you can do to train a reindeer. Uh, um, it, it's, but so they did things like, but, uh, but she was, you know, they were able to say lay down in the scenes in the shed, you know, where, where uh, Jessica was with her, you know, uh, she was, she was gentle, you know, she was gentle. She was, there were no mishaps with the antlers or anything. Oh. That's a relief. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's so interesting. Yeah. Um, did, do you know if they had to do screen tests with, with the child, with the reindeer? I don't remember that. No, no, I don't. Okay. I don't recall that happening. Wow, oh, that's so cool. One of the great things about Rebecca is she was pretty fearless. I mean, she just got right in there and, and uh, 
did what needed to be done and she wasn't afraid of the deer, you know, and I think that really helped. I think animals can feel fear from people. Yes. And she was, yes. She's just sat right down there with them. You know, the only time the animatronic deer was used was when the vet gives, uh, gives Prancer a shot, I think. So it's not, okay. it wasn't used that much. Interesting. Very cool. Um, so this question comes from somebody who may or may not be my dad. <laughs> the question what does is, that mean? <laughs> well, the, how, how many middle-aged men have admitted to tearing up when Prancer takes off from Antler Ridge? <laughs> I, I wouldn't know the answer to that. I mean, I, I, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the, the emotional scene is when, you know, between Jessica and her dad, when he reads her, reads to her, um, she asks him to read, uh, what is it? Uh, now I'm blanking out here. Yeah. Yes. Virginia. There's, mm-hmm. there's Santa Claus, you know, that's the one that <clears throat> I think tends to make people tear up. And, uh, uh, I, I, I didn't so much when I watched the film, but I was really surprised that when I wrote that scene, I cried. I mean, I, I don't think that's ever happened before, mm. but the emotion, <laughs> the emotion of it got to me. And it's interesting. I have found over the years that what you're feeling as a writer, as you're, you know, typing it out, I think it more often than not, that feeling gets to the reader. And then ultimately, uh, and in this case, that's true. I mean, there is, a, I have hanging on my wall. Uh, it's a, a reprint of a, a cartoon. It's, 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 it was in the daily newspapers called Crankshaft. And Crankshaft is this uh, ornery uh, guy. And the cartoon, he's with his, daughter and granddaughter watching Prancer and it's during that that scene I mentioned and and his daughter looks over and says but my dad are you crying and he says no no I just pulled a hair from my nose and and he because he's sniffling and so yeah I I would say I I think it's safe to say that maybe a decent amount of middle-aged men who families who have who have children They've probably teared up at that scene. At the end, I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. You know, originally, the script was originally at the end. You don't see, you don't see anything up in the sky. It's left to your imagination or your mm-hmm. feeling. Did did do they see something or not? And we had test screenings, and the audience all said, "You got to see something at the end." you know, mm-hmm. and I think they were probably right. And so they added the, that brief moment silhouette of, of, uh, of Santa in a sleigh. Um, but, uh, so yeah. That's great. Um, so then how did, how did Prancer launch you into a, a more robust screenwriting career? Well, it's just uh, once you get something made, it it makes you, in my case, I just can talk for myself, it, it sort of made me legit. And mm. so while I was on 
location with Prancer, I, I flew back to have an interview at Universal Studios uh, for to adapt Harriet the Spy. It was a very brief meeting, I recall. I don't say much about it, and I got the job, and I think that's because I was, you know, if you, all creative people, I think, go through periods where they're hot, you know, and mm -hmm. and, and heat comes from a movie getting made, and in case in this case it was it was true for me, and the thing is, almost every job I had in my screenwriting career, almost everyone can be traced back to Prancer. Um, mm. uh, my, my agent gave the script to a, a producer named Bill Teitler and Bill had a relationship with uh, Chris Van Allsburg, uh, the writer, illustrator, you know, Jumanji and Polar Express and all these things. And he thought I'd be good to adapt one of his books and that led to Jumanji, you know, and then a uh, number of years after Prancer came out, a producer named Beth Paulson, she had seen the movie with her mother and she was uh, a producer of TV movies and she had was going to make a film based on a book called The Christmas Box. And she remembered seeing Prancer and she wanted me for The Christmas Box. And so, uh, you know, I, I mean, it, it led to maybe one or two too many Christmas movies for me. <laughs> Most of my <laughs> credits are Christmas movies, but it's not a bad way to go. Uh, I mean, overall, I love right. writing, you know. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it just it just snowballed from there. And then, you know, got the when Jumanji came out, that was another boost. And I didn't really have much of a gap uh, between jobs after Prancer. So uh, you have to get something made now. Yeah, I don't know about now, how, how that works mm -hmm. now, because the landscape, sure. movie landscape, everything's changed. But back then, yeah, you had to get a movie. Made. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about how Prancer became a stage play. Um, were you were you commissioned to write it? Uh, were other writers considered to write the adaptation? How, how did this happen? Um, I received an email out of the blue. Uh, one day from uh, Matt Gutchick, who was the, who is the artistic director of the Rose Theater in Omaha. And he basically said, you know, he, he had become, I think maybe three years he had, since he had become the artistic director. And one of the things he wanted to do was, you know, stage Prancer. Um, and he'd been getting in contact with MGM over those three years, and they were not very, they were not very helpful, or you know, and or they just would ignore him. And so he decided to get in touch with me, which um, actually I'm the first person he should have contacted. He didn't know that, but mm. he, but the thing is that if the Writers Guild, their MBA, Minimum Basic Agreement, with the studios, with producers. Uh, in the MBA, if, if a writer receives sole credit on a film, and it's their original idea, they get something called separation of rights, which gives mm. them the right to write a play, to write a book. 
Um, and mm. so I was really open to the idea of a play. And, and uh, you know, I spoke with uh, one of the lawyers at the WGA, and she told me what I needed to do, which was contact MGM and say I was going to write a play. Well, <clears throat> I can't remember if I asked Matt if I could write it. Um, mm. I, I probably did. I, I, I don't think, I, I'm not sure that Matt was said, yeah, do you want to write it? Uh, uh, so I told I informed MGM, I was going to write, uh, the play for the Rose theater. Uh, I'm pretty sure Rose is nonprofit theater. Um, but here's a quirk in that, in that, uh, the right, uh, the separation of rights, which was, I had to ask permission from MGM to use the mm -hmm. title Prancer for the mm. play. Okay. You know, and so I, and so they could have said no, I guess. Um, right. But, you know, Prancer is a title and MGM didn't produce Prancer. It was produced independently. Uh, it was picked up by a company bought, you know, uh, 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 by Nelson Entertainment. They don't exist anymore. It was distributed by Orion. And then it became like a, a package of films, you know, a library of films, and which hmm. was owned by Universal for a while. And then it went to MGM. So Prancer was an orphan uh, for, for a while there. And so I don't think MGM treats Prancer like they might if it was one of their own. Like, well, hmm. the, the Christmas Story. I'm pretty sure that's MGM. Uh, and of course that's been made into a really successful play. Um, mm -hmm. but anyway, so they said, sure, uh, you can use it, but only for five years. And that was, up, right. I think l last year, maybe. And so I had to okay. go back to them and, and, and they grant, and I said, yeah, you can use it for another five years. And, um, and so that, that made things a lot easier in other words. So if somebody is trying thinking oh this could be this movie might make a really good play you know one of the first things that person should do is go on imdb internet what is that what does that stand for internet movie, internet movie database, database. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah you go on there you write in the, the 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 movie and it'll say right there who the writer or writers were and if there's only one writer and it was their original idea then Go to the writer, you know, um, and uh, and I don't know how far that goes back. I mean, Prancer was nineteen eighty nine. I don't know if the, the earlier movies, if that didn't exist, but yeah. Sure. So that's how that came about, and so I got started on 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 the play. You know, um, that's great. And and you know, Matt Matt. Uh, Gutchick is, you know, talk about Matt a, a, a moment here. Um, like Raphael, I was so fortunate to have him as uh, as my guide uh, through writing my first play because he is one of the most talented people I've worked with uh, in all my years as a writer. Um, wow. He directed the play as well. See, so not only did I have, yeah. And, um, and so he sent me 
uh, you know, some plays to read, to see. And, you know, the most, it wasn't difficult, but I had to just use a different format for the, mm-hmm. as opposed to screenplay. And, uh, uh, but yeah, he was so generous and, uh, you know, never got an impression when I, you know, when things maybe got, <laughs> I, I never got, he was never impatient or anything. I, he had, to, I felt like he had total confidence in me. I don't know if he did mm. <laughs> all along the road, but, but it was, it, it, it was, a, it turned out to be a, a really terrific collaboration. Mm. Would you say it was fairly easy for the rights to be negotiated once you got involved and you had to confirm everything with the the Writers Guild and you know any any clearance from MGM? Yeah, no. I mean, I I had the right to do it, so there's no way they could object to that. Um, sure. I mean, if they had if they had not wanted a play to happen i guess they could have said well you can't use the title in which case mm-hmm. i don't know if i could have said called it the reindeer based on the movie prancer you know i don't i don't right. know, i don't know you know I, I i don't know if that would have been the case but um i don't know i i thinking about it i don't think they really cared uh as long as it can as long it w- as it was not something they thought might make a lot of money, and if it did, they probably want a, want a piece of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't. I don't think they have a tradition of doing plays from their movies. I mean, that's become a big thing, of course. I mean, everywhere sure. you look, there's a, another play based on a movie. But Disney's right. the company that has that has established that tradition, but I'm not sure MGM. So they didn't, in other words, they didn't have any plans on doing a, a, a play. And so, no, it sure. was very smooth. Uh, and the person I dealt with, I can't remember his name, but he was, he was terrific. He was just, was like, yeah, sure. You know? Uh, so no, it, it was, it was smooth going as far as that goes. And then the contract you had to renew after five years with MGM, is that licensing the title or what, what is the contract J- for? Right. It's, 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 uh, uh, it's just to be able to use the title Prancer. That's and then um, if it expires, was, then did, what happens? Then I have to go back to them to ask for another <laughs> Okay. One five years i guess yeah yeah i think i think it's a way for them to keep in part to for them to keep tabs you know and in the new okay. person when i went back to ask for an additional well i didn't specify five years but there was a different person there and it was interesting because the first time around uh i was granted the right you know and uh mm-hmm. the second time around uh they asked for me to tell them where it's being performed each year. Mm. And, um, okay. and what else? I think there's some, Oh yeah. They asked for the play asked me to send them two hard copies of the play, which I hadn't had to do before. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, and so, yeah, I guess it'll just be, and I'm assuming as, as long as it's, you know, performed in the community theaters, like it has been, uh, you know, uh, I don't see why they'd object. I mean, I've always, I've always, uh, in talking to them, I've, I've said, you know, I want to keep the, the movie alive as well. This is a good thing for the mm-hmm. movie and you're selling the movie on right. DVD sells every year and it plays on TV. So the more it does, the more money, I, I guess, to, to, to MGM. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't see any, I mean, as long as it keeps getting, yeah, performed, I'll keep going, <laughs> I'll keep going back and say, right. please use the title. So, so if the, if a contract expires or somebody chooses not to renew, what does that mean? Do you have to change the title of the play you've already written? I guess so. I mean, yeah, if they would, if they say, no, we don't want you to use the title for whatever reason, then that could be the end of the play. I mean, why would somebody want to put on a play based on Prancer without the title. That's, I think, the thing that... Right. One of that's the things the draw. that, mm-hmm. that make... Yeah, that's the draw. So if it's called The Reindeer, I mean, that might catch people's eye, but right. but it's not the same, obviously, you know? Um, I'm not and too are you, worried And are you paying a it. fee for this licensing? No, no. Oh, okay. No. It's, it's just it's just no, a, a contract, so so you know where it is and what's what's happening with it. Is that right? Yes, and I and I've been and I've been uh, <laughs> sure to let them know I'm not I'm not making a lot of money on on this. Right. So right. They they don't ask Fair. they don't ask for any money. Right. Right. Very good. Let's talk about the the writing of the play. It was. I have to say pretty easy. Um, it didn't give me a lot of trouble because uh, it was, you know, I pretty much, I, I added some things, you know, some mm-hmm. uh, scene or two uh, uh, here and there, but pretty much it's, it's from, from the film, from the script, you know, and, and Matt helped me out on, on things. I mean, as he got into it, course and and started staging it there were some changes that needed to be made um but overall it was not a it 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 went it went smoothly you know like the first prancer movie the the play uh was not and matt's so experienced for one thing i mean he he's a he is a, a director who has things in hand and he's he's a really he has everything to be a director that I realized I didn't <laughs> when I went to wow. Penn State. It takes a special person to be to be a good director, you know. And one one thing yeah. I found is that dealing with really talented people, those those tend to be the people that don't give you a hard time or don't have to yell or scream mm. or, or you know, you know what I mean? They're confident. And so they're okay, you know, they don't try to steal credit from you or, or make themselves out to be bigger than they might be. They're the talented mm-hmm. people are just like solid, 
And that's, that's, that's what Matt was. And, you know, I didn't go to Omaha for the rehearsals, but I mean, Matt was like, yeah, come anytime you want, come. Uh, but it just wasn't mm-hmm. uh, possible at the time. So we set up a, a video, you know, so I would sit and watch, watch the, the rehearsals. And then we'd talk and, you know, see if things needed to be adjusted. And, uh, but, and my wife and I, Joanne, didn't go, we didn't get to the actual premiere, but we went and uh, we saw two, two, two of the performances, one in the first row, one up in the balcony. And the play exceeded any expectations I might have had. I mean, it was Aww. beautifully done. The actors were fantastic. And, and the deer, you know, it was done in the style of War Horse, you know, with, with mm-hmm. there were three people visible manipulating it. Mm-hmm. But the thing that amazed me is, you know, it was like, yeah, the, the magic of the theater, very quickly, your eye goes to the deer, not to the people manipulating the deer. Yep. And it becomes, it's, it's so weird how it happens. It becomes this yeah. living, breathing creature that you, that you believe, you believe it's, it's, it's for real, you know? Yeah. Was the reindeer always going to be a puppet in the, in the stage adaptation or were there other things considered? No, I, I'm pretty sure Matt figured, yeah, it was going to be, uh, it was going to be a, a, a puppet. And it was during the writing of it that I, Joanne and I went to see War Horse. Uh, we hadn't, we'd seen the movie, but we hadn't seen the the play. And yeah, right. it, it blew us away. I mean, it's fantastic. It's totally different. Totally uh, different from the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, that, yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Uh, but it's, yeah, obviously War Horse is stage magic. And so, so yeah, I, and, you know, for community theaters that might not have the money to, because I, I think it was probably fairly expensive to do, to build that, that deer, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. I I haven't seen pictures of, uh, you know, that's, that's one of the, the, the creative challenges for each production is how do you present Prancer? Uh, mm-hmm. I, I would think it could be a very simple kind of puppet, you know? Um, sure. And, uh, but that's one of the, I, I would think also one of the fun challenges is, is, is Prancer, yeah. you know? But yeah, I, I, I never, like I say, I never got used to being the way I was treated. And when I went there and I met the cast and crew, you know, I mean, the best compliment I, I, I thought to pay them, which I did, was that very shortly into the play, those those characters, the actors, I wasn't thinking of Sam Elliott or Cloris Leachman or any of the mm-hmm. other actors. They made those characters uh, their own, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. so it, all in all, in other words, it was one of the best creative experiences I've ever I've ever had. Uh, doing the play. Mm. Oh, that's so lovely. What did you learn about writing in uh, in having having to write an adaptation of your own screenplay? Um, I didn't learn a lot. I mean, I I I learned that yeah, this is I wouldn't mind doing this again <laughs> because it wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't that difficult because it wasn't page one. You know, I mean, subsequently, yeah. I mean, it was it was a really good experience. Uh, 
uh, uh, overall. And Matt and I, you know, we've we've wanted to do another play. And I spent, you know, a long time after that coming up with various ideas. And I'd write mm. up a treatment and I'd send them to Matt. And none of them quite worked. So, you know, doing that, they, that, that looking at that, uh, uh, it's, it's not easy to, to write something, uh, uh, original, you know, that catches, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that people respond to, uh, and, yeah. but I should have heeded something Matt said, I, I, you know, when Joanne and I were there in Omaha, we were, uh, uh, Matt was interested in in possibly doing a state adaptation of my book, The Girl Became the Beatles. Mm. Um, And I didn't get around to writing it for some reason. I should have done that right away, right? And I don't know why I didn't, but I have got around to doing that. And, you know, briefly, the book is about Regina uh, Bloomsbury plays in a band. She's a high school band. Things aren't going well in her life, and she wishes one night she was as famous as the Beatles. She wakes up the mm. next morning, and no one's ever heard of the Beatles. And her band, the Caverns, are world famous because their first album is out, and every single song on it is attributed to Regina. And so it's this journey of, okay, you're world famous, but you're fake world famous, so you're going to learn to believe in yourself, believe in your own uh creative ability. And, um, Mm. and so it, it, you know, we were underway actually, you know, and, and, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and it took a while for Matt to, you know, cause it's not a, not cheap to get the Beatles song. So he had to contact, uh, uh, and, and so we were, there was real momentum going on. And, but then this movie came out called Yesterday, and it mm-hmm. had the exact same premise as The Girl Became right. the Beatles, right? And mm-hmm. I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have, but I allowed that to, I mean, I, I, I allowed that to sort of infect my enthusiasm for the play. And so I told mm. Matt, you know, I can't go forward with this. I regret that now because, you know, I mean, I was thinking, well, people are going to think I stole the idea from yesterday when, in fact, the book came out nine years before the movie. So mm-hmm. I'll never know if one of the writers on that was aware of the book uh, or not. It doesn't matter at this point. Sure. But who cares if someone thinks I took the premise from that? This was for a totally different audience. It was for, you know, families. Mm-hmm. Um and so we'll see. Last time I talked to Matt, we, we discussed the possibility of, of reviving it, which I'm open to that now, in other words. You know, I think it'd be a wonderful stage experience, you know, uh, for families and uh, uh, a real joyous musical, you know. Um, yeah. So we'll see. But I guess, I guess the lesson I learned from that is, you know, if you have momentum going to have a play... Mm-hmm produce, which is not easy. Don't stop the momentum. You know, (laughs) Uh, I learned that from films. I mean, I mean, and so whether or not Matt and I can get the momentum going on is, is questionable. I know, 
but yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that's probably a lesson no one needs to hear me say, you know, because it's like, well, of course, keep the momentum going. But yeah, it was it was really weird, unfortunate timing. In other words, you know, if I had done the sure. play years before, we would have probably staged it before yesterday came on. But that's the breaks. That's the breaks. And you know, uh, but I just I just exchanged some emails with Matt, who is his newest play is opening next uh, Friday. And mm-hmm. I feel betrayed because it's Rudolph, the red nosed reindeer. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I, I think, you know, I jokingly said, Oh man, I can't believe you're doing Rudolph. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so we're going to talk next year and see, you know, something, hopefully something will happen, you know, but, uh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, I look forward to hearing the updates about that. Oh my goodness. So, um, so as you've mentioned, Prancer gets produced at a lot of community theaters. So where is it being produced this season? Apollo Civic Theater, Martinsburg, West Virginia, December 1st through the 10th. The Amarillo Little Theater, Amarillo, Texas, also December 1st through the 10th. And then Hillsdale Community Theater in Jonesville, Missouri. Or is that Michigan? MI. What is MI? Michigan. It is Michigan. Okay. Oh, yes. that's cool. Michigan. I'll have to look up see where Jonesville is if it's near near where we filmed it. That that will be December eighth through the eighteenth. Um, awesome. So yeah, I mean it's it's the pandemic, of course, was devastating in any all kinds of ways, uh, but it was yeah. hard on the theaters. And so, yeah, Prancer had you know had been produced in a number of theaters after the uh, the rose, but then yeah, things shut down in the pandemic. But yeah, things are things are getting going uh, uh, again, and you know, I think I think. Prancer is it's hanging in there, you might say, as a as mm-hmm. maybe a a mini Christmas classic. It's not up there with all the biggies, but I think uh, you know the more and you know I have been fooling around with the idea. I mean, it'd have to be really good, but I'm all I am considering writing a book. Um, okay, you know. Uh, based on it i have the right to do that but if mgm would have to give me the permission to use the title for the book Mm. but you know something along the lines of i mean my model would be something like sounder you know it's a it's a beautifully written book and i'm not saying i could reach that level but but you know something that that an adult could read to a child, you know, more so than mm. a child might want to read it. Um, you know, I mean, the bottom line is, I I don't know how appealing the 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 movie and the play is to children who, how do I say, don't well, they don't believe anymore. Let's put it that way, which is one okay. of the things Prancer's about. So it's okay to say it, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? I, I don't, I, I don't, uh, 
I mean, my my children were young when they when they saw it, um, but uh, but yeah, it, it, for me, it's it's one of my missions is to keep Prancer alive. You know, mm. the film and the play does that. A book, a book, uh, a book might do that. You know, um, and uh, for sure. I haven't watched it in a long time, actually. I used to watch it a lot, but I haven't. When's the last time you've seen it, Melissa? <laughs> I, I don't remember. It's been a little bit. It's been a little bit, yeah. Probably yeah, better. I have. Yeah. Well, I have a, a niece and nephew now, so maybe I need to pull it mm. out and we all watch it together. So, yeah. Right. Um, right. But since it's the holiday season um, and the gift giving season, uh, we want to talk about a gift we have for our listeners. Um, the uh, plays for new audiences is the uh, publisher of the script of the play script of Prancer. And they are generously offering um, a download, a PDF download of Prancer for free using the discount code 101Prancer. And that's at playsfornewaudiences.org. Um, I'm going to have all of this in the show notes. And um, this discount is valid until December 1st, 2024, and only valid for Prancer. So um, this can get into the hands of more people who may want to produce it. Um, and again, I have links for all of that information in the show notes, so you can get a, a new holiday script into your hands. Yeah, I think that was that was terrific. A place for new audiences to to do that. I let them know this was happening. The podcast, and uh, yeah, they responded yes. enthusiastically. Yeah, they did. I so appreciate it. So thank thanks to them for that great offer. Um, how soon was this play published after its 2016 premiere? I'm trying to think. Maybe a year. Uh, at that time, they were play. I think it was called plays. Well, it doesn't matter. Uh, but uh, yeah, I was really pleased because it's. I think it's a. You know. Uh, they really have. Uh, a reach, you know, I mean, they were able to get, get the mm -hmm. place out there. And I, and I'm pretty sure Matt, you know, uh, Matt is well known in the community. And, uh, I think someone at place for new audiences, he was able to get the play to them and they don't, you know, they don't take on every play they sure. uh, submitted to them. So <clears throat> I was pleased when they wanted to re-up it too, uh, you know, I mean, they wanted it for 10 years and I could only do five because of the title thing. Ah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, so yeah, no, that's, that's cool. And, you know, interesting thing when I did the play was I, I, I wasn't real familiar with, I mean, that there were children's theaters mm -hmm. and uh, because we don't actually don't, you would think we don't really have one that I know of here in Los Angeles. Mm. There are plenty of theaters, but not a major children's theater. I mean, uh, there's one in Seattle. Mm -hmm. I know. There's the Rose Theater. Um, what's the the really big one? Is maybe Minneapolis. It's, it's called uh, the Children's Theater. <laughs> it's called the Children's Theater. Okay, yeah. yeah. And so, and growing up in Pittsburgh. Um, we didn't have a children's theater. So this was a really nice introduction to, it's like, oh, 
They have mm-hmm. care specifically for children. And 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 the great yeah. thing about that is that, you know, like growing up in, in, in Pittsburgh, in, I, there was not a tradition of going to the theater in my family. I mean, my, mm-hmm. my parents didn't attend the theater when they were children. I'm pretty sure my grandparents didn't. Um, uh, two of my, you know, on my mother's side, they, they grew up in a coal mining town in Scotland. And mm. uh, I have a feeling they didn't go to the theater much there. Um, sure. And so, you know, uh, and so we didn't go, you know, we, we didn't, I, I think the first play, maybe I saw a, a student production at Penn State, nothing I remember. The first play I remember seeing was, I was in college, went to see Hair, a traveling production of Hair in Pittsburgh. <laughs> and it was, uh, yeah, I think that was actually a Christmas gift for Joanne and I. And uh, that left a vivid memory, you know. And it so, sure would. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in Pittsburgh in 19, what, 70 or so, yeah, yeah. A bunch of actors standing nude on the stage. That was a big deal. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, I, uh, uh, but then, you know, living in State College, New York was about five hours away. And so Joanne and I would go and go to the theater, you know. Um, uh, we saw George C. Scott, one of my all-time favorite actors, in a play called Sly mm. Fox. Same time wow. next year with Charles Grodin. Hilarious. Mm. Um, I can't remember the play. Yeah, we went to uh, Circle in the Theater. Yeah, that's the name of it. Uh, um, the hot, the ho- Hotel Baltimore, Hot L Baltimore, right? And it's interesting. Mm. I, re- I specifically remember these plays, so they made a big impression on me, you know. And so, yeah. uh, and, and partly, partly, I think the theater tradition is, you know, it's expensive to go to the theater. You know, right? Um, and and my, you know, money was tight in my family and and in my parents' families growing up, and that's why we'd go to the drive-ins, you know, because it was inexpensive. Um, and that I think you know that's what, like I said before, that's what led me into screenwriting as opposed to playwriting. But yeah, so mm. when our children were growing up, uh, Jessica and Ian, we took them to the theater, you know. Um, Joseph in that, what is it? Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Yes, right? yes, right. yeah, yeah. We took them to see that at the Pantages, and that was that was really good. I remember we really had a fun time. We saw at the Pantages, it was a tryout for a sequel to Annie. And oh. It 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 didn't make it. <laughs> I don't. Okay. I'm not sure if it even got to, got to Broadway. You know. Okay. And, uh, uh, but you know, and so yeah. So they're so now they're you know they're interested in theater. So it's you know just and so that's my roundabout way of saying that yeah. So to have children's theaters, I'm really mm-hmm. happy about Prancer because it's people bringing you know their children introducing it and obviously some children are going to be really affected by that and yeah. want to do that yeah um uh 
but yeah, I, I think, it, and that's the importance of community theaters is it is a lot less expensive, obviously, mm-hmm. going to the theater. But I think it is a, a an issue today, certainly. Right. I, yes. I remember, God, I can't remember how much it was, but to take a family of, let's say, four mm-hmm. to see Harry the Harry Potter play on Broadway, oh, it was stunning, stunning it, yes. how much that cost, yes. you know? So, so yeah, yeah. But, and so, uh, you know, I, I, I always oh, uh, did a gratitude to Matt for reaching out. I don't think I would have written a play otherwise, you know, that wasn't, I was concentrating mm. on books at the time, uh, sure. uh, over plays and, uh, but yeah. That's great. So I, I usually start these interviews with asking, what is your first theater memory? So your first theater memory was seeing hair. Is that right? It was. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We were yeah, in that the one last row, for sure. I, as I remember it. Uh, and, uh, but it's a great play. I mean, it is just, Yeah. I mean, the songs are, are timeless. And so not a bad mm-hmm. way to go as far as the first first Christmas, not Christmas, first theater, uh, yeah, uh, uh, memory. Um, it was it was great introduction. Very good. Oh my gosh. Well, I I have to ask about Jumanji because that was also another mm-hmm. staple in our household. Um, '90s kids will remember Jumanji is the one starring Robin Williams. <laughs> oh, um, the be- tell the us be- about the better yeah. one. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. The original, (laughs) the original one. I liked it. I like. I saw the first sequel, not the second one. I liked it. I thought they did a a great job of updating it and all the, yeah, the avatars. Well, it's a a great concept. Yeah. Did you uh, did you get to meet Robin Williams? Were you on set at all during the filming of that film? I was nowhere near that set, Melissa. That's too bad. I was the <laughs> on purpose. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. They didn't want. Here's the thing. I, you know, I was really busy at the time when you know I was talking to Bill Teitler about uh, doing an adaptation of Jumanji, and so I asked a friend of mine if he'd like to collaborate. Jim Strain. Um, we we worked up a, a pitch. We went around, it was, as I recall, it was a year. We spent a year pitching the idea of the studios off and on. They all said no. And then it was uh, Goober Peters Company. I think they had a deal with Sony. They heard the pitch and said they wanted to do it. And so we wrote uh, a couple drafts of the script and then we were shown the door, which is not is not unusual at all. Sure. I mean, a lot of uh, typically, I think a lot of writers work on scripts, and so they said thanks so long. And then you know a number of other writers came in. Uh, Jonathan Hensley was one. Chris Van Allsburg did some work on 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 it. I think when Robin Williams was signed, someone else came on and did work. Anyway. Uh, uh, it was, like I say, I'm pretty sure about five years from when we were, did our drafts to when it was produced and, and, and out in the theaters. And so, yeah, they don't, they don't, uh, 
they don't want the 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 original writers anywhere around on set. Um, and Got that's it. just the way it is. I, it. I spoke a little bit about how screenwriters are treated, right? Um, yes. Yes. Uh, so yeah, it would have been it would have definitely been cool to see like the the big tank where they filmed. Uh, they built the set for the house when it gets flooded. That would all. Mm-hmm. Been fun. But Bill Tyler yeah. kept me kept me uh, up to date on what was on what was happening, and you know the right. premiere uh, was was great to go. Uh, I mean, it was a big deal. I, I remember the day when I heard from Bill that. Uh, Robin Williams had been cast and that was during a period yeah. where he was, he was one of the top, like every movie he did. Yes. It was really exciting. Yeah. And, uh, and, and a sure sign the movie was going to get made, you know, for sure. But no, I was not, I was not on set for that. Um, but it's good credit to have. Yeah. You've, you've adapted, um, Harry the spy, from the novel you've adapted jumanji from the children's book and then you adapted your own screenplay into a stage play do you have a particular approach to writing adaptations no i don't i just you know um i just look at what you know you keep you keep what you think is good and then a book, I mean, like Harriet the Spy, that was, a, you know, the first draft I did on that. And that is also a movie that had many writers on it and probably more than Jumanji. But the first draft I did, I, uh, you know, I took the basics of the book and update, you know, made it present day because it takes place in 1964. I think maybe it's that specific, the book. Um, and I didn't like the way it came out. It didn't, you know, so the second draft was completely different. I said it in 1964 Mm. and that way I felt I could retain the flavor of it. And I thought that was a really good draft. And it's one of the few times when I handed it in, uh, the, the, the president, I think it was Ray Stark, uh, productions called me and told me how how much he liked it that rarely happens but then when they made the film what did they do they made it present day Mm. and uh you know i i think it lost that lost the flavor of the book you know sure um so anyway that's an example of how you i just take each book as it comes, I don't, I don't have any preconceived idea of how the best way might be to, uh, to adapt it, you know, and I've adapted some terrific books, Harry the Spy, one of the true classics, you know, mm-hmm. some of the monkeys, I adapted that, Jim Strain and I adapted that, um, you know, and uh, not as well known, known as uh, what is what is his other book? I think it's Where the Red Fern Grows. Um, mm. But that was a book I, I I kept pretty much. But then you have other books. I've had other books not that great, to be honest. And so you try and prove, you know, mm-hmm. some of them are short, you know, like right. Jumanji is just, you know, that's a children's right. illustrated book. You film that, it's a 10 minute 
short, you know. And uh, right. we, Jim Strain and I, did come up with the idea, you know, of a person being sucked into the game. And then when they reappear mm. years later, they've grown up in the game. That that really was the idea that you might say cracked it, you know. And so in that case, sure. we had to expand the story, of course, you know. So, no, it, it's been fun. I, I enjoy adapting books because, again, I don't have to face the empty page, you know. There's there's right. a lot to work with. And, uh, and, 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 yeah, everyone is different. So that keeps things interesting. Um, I haven't adapted one recently, but you know, one thing I wanted to mention while we still have time here, I guess we're, Mm -hmm. is I don't have any upcoming projects, but there was a new Prancer film made last year, which I think Mm, nobody knows about here, here in the States. It's called Prancer, A Christmas Tale. It's not related to the first one. It's a completely different story, completely different characters. But um, okay. it was made for a company called Sky, and they're a British company. They're huge over there, you know. And so they broadcast it last Christmas in England. And here in the States, it was available for rent or a DVD, but nobody really, Universal didn't push it. They, so it's it, it, sure. nobody knows about it. And so this coming Christmas, I think, I think Joanne said she heard it's going to be on HBO family. So I wanted to give a little shout out to Prancer, a Christmas tale turned out pretty well. James Cromwell was in it. One of our great actors, you know, he's babe. And he's one of his most famous Mm. things is he was the farmer and babe. And he's he's terrific in the film. And, and the, and the young girl is, is, as well. She's British. And, uh, it was filmed in Romania, standing in for oh, the wow. Northeast United States. So there's a lot of a lot of productions <laughs> over in Europe now, you know. Um, right. But yes, it was it was filmed over there. Mm. Oh, that's lovely, uh, Greg. I, I usually ask uh, playwrights this question: um, What is one thing a writer can do today to improve their writing? Um. I, I think the I think the best thing is whatever you what whatever type of play you want to write, whatever genre, and this may seem like an obvious thing, but go read similar kinds of of plays of scripts, you know, and and see plays. Um, uh, I think that can teach teach a writer a lot of what to do what not to do when i you know like i say i didn't i didn't have a a, a big learning curve for prancer i mean i i read the plays matt sent me uh to get a feel for that um but uh, uh but really plays aren't that much different from screenplays you know uh, mm-hmm. and but when i decided to write my first book I mean, I read all kinds of books and I have, I have a, 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 you know, a notebook is filled with notes from those books, you know, because it was a different discipline. Um, and so if you want to write a play uh, and the obvious, another obvious thing is just 
keep writing and writing and writing. I mean, that is the best way uh, to learn, but study, study, you know, teach yourself. Um, I had to do that uh, with scripts. Like I said, I didn't learn a whole lot in college. And so I, I taught myself. And so I, I guess that answers the question. I mean, read scripts. I mean, they're available, I think, right? Yeah, sure. Yes. I mean, I bought a number of plays over the years just to read them for, for pleasure. You know, I have a shelf mm -hmm. uh, over there actually with all kinds of, of different plays and, uh, um, Raisin in the Sun. I don't know why that popped into my head, but that's, that's one of my favorite plays I've, I've read. I haven't, I never saw mm -hmm. it. Um, so yeah, just, just keep, uh, teaching yourself. And, and, you know, to this day, I still am. You never stop. You can never stop, you know, but it's a pleasure. I still, right. I still love sitting down in the morning with my cup of coffee and working on whatever it is I'm working on. You know, it's, it's a, it's a great way to, I feel blessed, you know, cause I made a living at something I yeah. love doing, you know? Oh, that's so great. So I usually uh, end with this final theater question. If you found a magic lamp with Dionysus inside and he could grant you one theater wish, what would you wish for? Another production at the Rose Theater with Matt Gutschick. Okay. Absolutely. I'm sure Absolutely. Santa can make That's... that happen for us. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I mean, yeah, that, 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 that would be it. And, you know, more people see Prancer. That's two things. Two two wishes. Yes. Uh-oh. It would have to be the classic. <laughs> you have three wishes. So the first right. one would be another production at the Rose Theater. Second one would be Prancer continues to be produced at theaters. I don't know what the third one would be. I'll keep that okay. one to myself. That sounds great. Oh my gosh, Greg, this was so great. Thank you so much for spending time with me this afternoon. And um, all of the links to everything we talked about will be in the show notes and go grab your free copy of the script of Prancer. Thank you for listening to this episode of 101 Stage Adaptations. If you liked it, I hope you'll forward to a friend today. Sharing is caring and word of mouth is still the best form of advertising. So I hope you'll share it with someone today. 101 Stage Adaptations is produced by me, Melissa Schmitz, with the help of Hello Podcast Media. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time.